Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the double L team, Larlan. Lawson. Lawson. I know what you're thankful for this morning. <laughs> I can assure you that I'm absolutely not thankful for what you're thinking of because I, I can read your mind. We spent, <laughs> we spent a lot of time actually. No, that's not true. I am. I have. Of course you are. I am thankful. You're just, just, just dripping with thankfulness. Yeah, that you're here. Exactly. You know, in fact, I'm so thankful. Check this out. Yes. Look, at, look at that. Oh, oh, there you go. He's got, he's got the Lyle socks on this morning. <laughs> for, for those who don't know, I have socks with Lyle's to, face on to it. Celebrate, to celebrate the fact that I have returned. Yeah, it's actually, it's got Lyle's face on it and little love hearts and everything. It's really cute. I said I would be back. I'm back. <laughs> you're back. How I said is- I would return. I have returned. That's good. How is your time away? Rough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rough. Like, why? Uh, I worked until, well, I, 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 Sunday was a busy day. Mm-hmm. So Sunday yeah. I, I did a wedding. Oh, wow. And then I drove to a place far, far, far away, mm-hmm. arrived there at 7 o'clock and worked until eh, just a little bit before midnight, mm-hmm. got up at 5 o'clock the next morning, worked until lunchtime. And then drove home and got home at stupid o'clock last night. That sounds awful. It was. <laughs> the wedding sounds every, amazing. Every part of my body hurts right now. Yeah. Including your brain. Including my brain. Yeah, wow. That's so tough. I am super thankful for all of the traveling blessings that I got mm. yesterday. Oh, that's awesome. Which is a long list, long list of traveling uh, blessings over the last two days. Yeah, wow. That's sick. And uh, super thankful for the wedding. Um, yeah, big congratulations to Luke and Michelle mm-hmm. uh, as they begin their new married life. And yeah, life is good. So we, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm just back. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Let's jump into some positively different news. Let's talk about it. Lyle, what's happening? Lyle, well, possibly like my favourite thing has happened. Okay, did you know that? Uh, um, no, I did not. Well, it's basically you know. So the Olympics, right? Currently on. Love, love to watch it. Love Don't to- care. <laughs> this. Couldn't How care good less. was the soccer game the other night, though? You- yeah, it was pretty decent. Yeah, it was. It was. Well, no, really- no, last night was terrible. Oh, last night was terrible. We lost we, to we, Sweden. We were robbed. Oh, yikes. Um, we were robbed. But at least we beat beat the British, you know. (laughs) Colonialism blew up in their face. (laughs) (laughs) What happens when you start a colony and send your riffraff there? (laughs) They come back and kick your butt. We're a fair few generations past that, but I agree with the sentiment. (laughs) Yeah, so... Every time the to- that Tokyo has hosted the Olympics, the last time they did host was in 1964. They've had some kind of innovation to stand for. Last time was the bullet train. You know, in 1964, they had a train that was going like 250 kilometers an hour and people were like, what is this? But this year, get, get this, every Olympic vehicle, the entire Olympic stadium, the Olympic hotel and the Olympic village is run completely on hydrogen. Oh, really? Not on... I thought you were going to say electricity. No, on hydrogen. And I thought you were like, yeah, renewable electricity. They've got got lots of solar panels and wind farms. No, No, that's actually hydrogen. Hydrogen. That is ridiculous. And not not hydroelectric either. How's Brisbane ever going to top this? They're not. You know, in our coal-fired country. (laughs) Yeah, they're going to be like, we've got 
uh, nickel. <laughs> we've got iron ore. Look, we made a stadium completely out of iron ore. <laughs> no, um, no, but literally, like, this is, this is incredible. This is something, like, if you've listened, if you're a regular listener to the show, we love talking about, like, electric vehicles and um, renewable energy and all this stuff. And I have constantly, like, and consistently had the thought in my brain, hydrogen power is the way of the future. If people, like, if the companies just made a concerted effort to get into it, to leave coal behind. Like, yes. hydrogen is the single most natural and abundant... Element in the universe. Element in the universe. If we could, like, find a way to successfully, har- like, har- um, collect it, harvest it, um, you know, for cheap, like, it will change the world. Yes, it would like hundred percent, and Japan is well, Tokyo twenty twenty Olympics, and Japan are all about it. It's so cool, um, and, and this is like you know they know that they've got the spotlight at them at, on the moment. Uh, they've got the spotlight on them at the moment as a country. You know, everyone's looking towards them, and they're like using it to platform incredible technology. At the moment, it's only you know Japanese made cars uh, there's a Toyota and a Honda and something else um, that is escaping my mind at the moment that are running on hydrogen power and they're specifically in the American market because they have in California all the shell petrol stations yeah, you have can, hydrogen you can pumps. Buy hydrogen yeah but it's like this is this is the steps right here yes but I'd also love to see I'm like are they just throwing it in the oils companies faces like are they are a uh, 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 petroleum country a uh, company's about to throw them under the bus and be like okay we won't send gonna bomb the Olympics yeah <laughs> when like as soon as the Olympics finish they just like a, you know uh a, well a bomb a truck a explosive well, the thing is, in today's world you're never gonna get away with that because it's just gonna backfire on you massively mmm yeah, the, there may get, have been an era when that might have worked, but these yeah, days, no. some, some like mafioso um, tactic over. to like take out the stadium or something. It's over. But no, then they would just get cancelled on Twitter, and no one would buy their petrol anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's how our world works. Um, but yeah, this is, dude. This is amazing. Like, I'm, I am literally stoked. Uh, like, and also the Olympic Village and the hotel. Like, eleven thousand athletes are staying there. And it's it's fully hydrogen power. All the lights, you know, all the fittings and the fixtures and the, um, you know, as the, the they've got like the the water pumps, the hot water, all this kind of stuff. It's all running hydrogen. I'm like, this is the way. All right, let's talk about something else. Um, a new Yale study uh, has suggested that mammals might dream uh, about the world they're going into before they're born. Now, this fascination started with obviously like when mammals are born, but do you really like when a cow is like born like a little calf or like a little puppy or a mice, a mouse or whatever it may be. They're immediately able to kind of sense what's going on and move around. Like how long does it take for like a little baby lamb or like a baby cow to like get up and start moving around and drinking from its mom? Like an hour, an hour at max. Like with humans, it's a, a heaps longer process. A but, year. but with these like tiny little mammals, they're just like, Let's go. They're just, bam, they're just into it. And so they're like, how is that even possible? They're like trying to work out. And so they've they've devised it. So if we can figure out how to make this possible, then we can do it with humans. And then our little humans can be up and running around the house on the first day. (laughs) And all our problems of parenting will be... Magnified. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, a, a baby with like the, 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 ne- like the um, neural capacity of a baby, but like with the potential to run around. And it's like, uh, 
No, but the interesting thing about this is they're not trying to work out how to harvest this or whatever. They're just trying to work out how this works. Yes. And they've come up with a solution. Essentially, um, Michael Crea, who um, is from the University of Yale, um, he's a professor of neuroscience um, and a researcher there. He's seen that there's like, he was studying mice specifically. Um, and before like the mouse are born, the, the mice, this mouse is born, um, they see some, like, little neonatal retina activity going on, some, um, you know, some, like, brain waves and everything going on until then it's born, those kind of waves cease, and then it starts, like, a full-on, you know, you can see the brain waves going to their eyes specifically and that they're actually seeing the world around them. But they say that these these neonatal brain waves, these ones before they're born, um, they must be, they've come up with a hypothesis that it's, oh, they're dreaming about the world that they're going into before they're born, essentially. Whoa. And they're, they're like... Really? They're like, they're, this is the solution they come up with. It's like, oh, they must be visualizing the world. And and then the, the funny thing is, though, is that the, the, um, the kind of conclusion that they made, made from this um, is essentially they've said like, oh, well, this makes evolutionary sense because when they're born, there would be immediate threats around them and they would need to be able to kind of see that and run away and stuff, which to me doesn't make any sense i'm like you know as we've talked about with john ashton on the show many times like genetic information can't be added essentially like you can only lose genetic information and it it would be impossible to gain the ability through evolution which is their explanation they don't have like a path or anything it's like oh through evolution they get to dream before they're born and i I believe that that happens but i'm just like i'm a bit skeptical i'm super skeptical that 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 conclusion evolution because I'm like, how how could your DNA go? Oh, this is something we need to do. <laughs> like, and and this is what the world's going to be like once we're born. Nah, nah, it's God. That's not coming from evolution. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. All right, Lyle, what's happening in the world of bugs? The world. Oh, yikes! I like. I like I'm actually kind of scared of this story. I'm scared of bugs. Honestly, my biggest fear is wasps. Like, I wasps really freak me out. Like, this 100%. is most interesting. My story this today is all about wasps. Are you serious? I'm going to talk about wasps. Uh, why? I, because I want you. To, <laughs> I want you to mentally think about sitting here in the studio, in the chair you are right now, with wasps crawling all over your body. No, Lyle. Just, like, just I actually, I actually start feeling sick when you start <laughs> when you're talking about. It. Like, I'm so scared of wasps. My my heart. Like, I'm so glad we're doing so fast, and my hands get so sweaty. Like when I. When I see wasps and I think about wasps, wild. Okay, so there was this wasp. <laughs> oh, yikes. Okay, yep. And they're searching for him in the ACT mm-hmm. because he's gone missing. His name is Epipompilus Nabadgri. Very threatening name. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He's 10 millimetres long. He has kind of reddish legs. His four legs are like big and muscly like he's a boss wasp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he's been missing since 2018, so they're out looking for him. So they're worried that he's, been, that he's well, gone oh. extinct. Oh, wow. Okay, so what you've got in the world right now is there's a lot of insects, obviously, and extinctions in insects are far more common and happen you know, a lot faster and more you know, frequently than in other species because they generally go unnoticed. Mm. And so this guy turned up in 2018... They were out looking around the ACT, looking for new bugs to find. They found this new bug. They'd never seen this particular bug before. So they brought him back. They studied him. They described him. They gave him a name, and they've never seen him since. 
<laughs> now, here's the, here's, here's the other problem is that they found him in some pristine forest mm. where there'd been no fires for, like, ever. And now a fire's gone through there and burnt the whole place and they're like, ooh, we hope we didn't burn them. Oh, yikes. Else we might have lost these wasps altogether. Mm. In fact, 80% of the National Park, uh, the, the Namadi National Park, mm-hmm. uh, got burnt. That's where he comes from. But... Uh, what's interesting is when we talk about bugs and we talk about you know our natural world, the world that we live in, how many bugs do you think there are in our world that have never been named or described? Do you want me to give a number? Yeah. Um, Take a um, guess. A lot. Like okay. one million? Okay, gone for one million. <laughs> That's a big number. Uh-huh. Try 30. 30 million. 30 million bugs is the estimate. Somewhere somewhere around that. They, people, mm. I mean, how do you estimate that? Bugs that, that you don't know. <laughs> they've never been named. Yeah. They're just running around without names. Mm-hmm. And they have never been discovered or described or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Now, we did say that we have the National uh, Insect collection, collection that's currently based in Canberra. And the National Insect Collection has bugs in it that we've been collecting in this country ever since Joseph Banks arrived here with Captain Cook. Yeah, well. Yeah, you know, mm. because it was amazing when they when they first sent explorers uh, specifically to map Australia, they sent a botanist as well to study all about the living things in Australia and to find out what they were about. Okay, mozzies. Mm. We all hate. How many different kinds of mozzies? This this did my head. How many different kinds of mozzies do you think we have in Australia? Um, like two, three. Yeah, try four hundred. I would have. I would have <laughs> gone with maybe ten different kinds of mozzies. Yeah. They all look the same to me. They all sound the same when you're sleeping at night, They're particularly all when you're camping, and it's like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, in your ear, keeping you awake at night. The worst things ever. And out with the bug spray, and they're gone. Uh, there are about 400 different kinds of mozzies in Australia. Only half of them have been named. And, and these are mozzies that are all sitting in the National uh, Insect Collection, just sort of sitting there, you know, waiting for somebody to come along and describe them and name them. takes about two years' work to do so. Uh, our most prolific mosquito namer was a woman by the name of Elizabeth Nestor. And she's since passed away, but she named about 38 of them. Oh, wow. So put a lot of work into mosquitoes right there. But a, a whole bunch of them still to discover. And, and this is the amazing thing about our world, you know, because our world has been suffering for ex- stuff, suffering extin- extinctions for the last 4,000 years. Mm. And uh, you have just, you know, thousands and thousands of species that have become extinct during that time period. And you kind of wonder, you know, because obviously insects, we're not going to have a fossil record of insects. How many different kinds of insects and how many different kinds of other animals that just never got fossilized have gone extinct? And how unbelievably diverse was the world that God created? How many animals, you know, possibly became or insects became extinct around the time of the flood? Mm. You know, because you would have had a very, very, you know, talking about climate change, that's climate change on steroids right there. What kind of an effect does that actually have? Uh, The world that God created 6,000 years ago, thereabouts, must have just been off the charts with variety when you can come down to our age in which, you know, we are creating more information every day than we have ever created 
ever before and it's just escalating on a J-curve and yet we can still have, well, around about 30 million different species on this planet that we have never discovered mm. or described. Yeah, the, the reality, like the economics of the world and, and, and whatnot in terms of like uh, the way that we see the natural world play out, like humanity could never live up to or service like everything that's going on in the world. I, I remember hearing a sermon that was like, if we tried to feed every bird in the world... Um, it would take like two weeks to completely drain the entire, like, GDP of the entire world. Wow. Like, like, if because of, you know, however, I think it was like some, a couple, I, I, they said it was something like a, almost like two trillion birds that are, are alive and existing. And if you, yeah, if you gave them bird seed, the price the bird seed is that you buy from the pet store, it would take two weeks. And so kind of like harkens back to that Bible verse, right? It's like, you know, um, yeah, birds don't have a home, That's, yet they're fed. Uh-huh, it's like, uh-huh. oh, we could never even come close to controlling or servicing or, you know, providing for the natural world whatsoever. Like, it, yeah. That is off the charts. Mm. Okay, so our national insect collection down in the ACT grows because new insects are being discovered and contributed to it, of course, not being named or described, mm. but it grows by 100 thousand species every year that's wild and it's just off the chart 100,000 species a year uh-huh so think about think about next time you're driving down the road and all those bugs you know, get one of those nights where it's full of bugs and they're just getting <laughs> splattered all over the windscreen <laughs> you're discovering half of those are undiscovered species wow we have no nothing about we know nothing about their behavior what they do anything how mm. they live their lives yeah they're little bug families. That is wild. This is an incredible world that we live in. God has mm. created this the most amazing, amazing planet. Um, all right, so between 2016, ex-drinkers, this is a different subject, rose from 1.5 million in Australia to 1.9 million. That's a good to see that going in the right direction. Mm. Calls to Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, to Unintoxicated and to the Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education uh, Alcoholics Anonymous during uh, pandemic have doubled um, it, with um, unintoxicated calls to them in Brisbane during in, during pandemic have gone up by 90%, by Sydney by 140%, in Melbourne 160%. Um, the Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education has gone from 500 to 1,100 calls to their hotline mm. uh, during this period. And so, yeah, we're facing a major crisis right here as far as alcohol goes, particularly during these COVID times. And so I would just encourage you, if you find that yourself that you're drinking during lockdown, then this is a great time to give one of these hotlines a call and find some help. They have anonymous uh, classes available that you can do online where you can participate, and they have helped so, so many people. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Earlier um, clues. All right. All right. Joining us on the phone this morning is Leslie Castro. Leslie, welcome to the show. Hello, Pazalai. Thank you. Thank you for your warm welcome. It's great to have you on the show this morning. Now, uh, let me see. Leslie, I've known Leslie for quite a number of years. I'm not quite sure how many, uh, particularly when I was living back down in Sydney. And Leslie's somebody that ever since I've known her has been involved in outreach and in sharing with others and just doing amazing things for God. So we wanted to catch up this morning, Leslie, and see what you've been up to lately and what's your latest project? 
Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm involved into many different kind of ministries. So I've been attending the Soy M. Wright Church, and we run a play group there. And at the same time as well, I help out a church plan, the Parramatta SA Church Plan as well in Parramatta. So there's another play group that I run there as well. That, so in Parramatta, the, um, the play group is called Bubbles Play Group. And with Soy M. Wright Church, uh, the play group is Bob's and Books Play Group. And also I'm doing a personal ministry as well uh, with the Filipino families that I've met at the park. So I also run this Filipino play group. So I have three play groups. That's, <laughs> that a, that's a, Okay, so so my, my dream right now is uh, is to be one of your kids because it seems like your kids would, uh, they just get to play all the time. Is that kind of how it goes? Oh, yes, yes. So with this play group, so they are zero to five years old and what we do with a play group, is um yeah we do have songs and story time and then crafts and free play and provide toys and for the kids and also while the kids are playing and uh, yeah I connect with moms build friendships and relationships and just uh, be there to support each other and um yeah just help each other. That's amazing and uh, obviously you've got some kids of your own. How old are they and and how well do they go fitting in with these play groups? Yeah, so my kids, uh, I got two kids. Uh, my kids, um, my son is five years old and my daughter, the youngest one, she's two and she's turning three next week. Yes, that's a very important, uh, that's a very important thing when you're two and three is that, uh, nearly there for next week. Um, all right, so that's, that's, that's amazing. So the, so your kids, they fit in perfectly with the age bracket that you're actually ministering to here. Yes. Um, and, and, and that's, that's fantastic. Now, when you talk about you talk about songs, stories, crafts, books, that sounds like a lot of work to put this together. How much time do you spend on this each week? You're doing three a week. <laughs> um, well, with the uh, with the Bob's and Books play group and the Filipino play group, I do that weekly. But with the other one, um, twice a month. Right. Okay, yes. there's still there's still there's still a fair chunk of work. Yes, it, it's a lot of work. Uh, with the Bob's and Books, like we have a team, so we have three people working together. So that's uh, really um, yeah, that's that's good to have a team. With the Filipino playgroup, I run it myself, and um, I just do story and because it's a Filipino playgroup, and I'm I'm from Philippines, I'm Filipino, so I do Tagalog story uh, book and also Tagalog songs. And, and that's it. And we just meet at the park and kids can play at the park. So something simple. So with the Filipino playgroup, do you do, you, you mentioned you do Telago um, songs. Do you do, um, do you do the whole playgroup speaking Filipino? Yes. Yeah. Because this is a great opportunity yeah. for kids to, you know, that are born in Australia that wouldn't otherwise, wouldn't necessarily yeah. get to learn Filipino. They're from Filipino parents. Uh, but it's a fantastic opportunity for them to actually learn to speak that language as as kids growing up. That's right. Yeah, that's my purpose as well for my kids as well, you know, to be with our Filipino community and hear the language and learn. Yeah, that's right. That's 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 fantastic. Now, with the bubs and books. Yeah. Uh, how does this actually work? How do you how do you read? It? Is this like a, like a reading group, or what what happens with bubs and books, or is it just a a different name for the same kind of thing? Yeah, so uh, bubs and books play group. So our focus with this uh, play group is to foster children 
the love of books, uh, you know, in the same way the kids learn to play. And we hope to provide fun way to engage them with books and all the books are, you know, not created equal. And that's why, that's why we hope to provide them good, good literature, literature, good books for that is safe for the little minds that teach, um, you know, good values and morals. So in our church, in a church hall, when we set up, we have um, plenty of books and that. Uh, on the mat and on the tables for the parents to read the books uh, because we have that time, a free play, or our parents can have a one-on-one time with their um, with their child to read that books. And then we, we run it for one hour, so like 30 minutes. We have that time for children to have free play or read a book books that um, the moms can read the books to the children and after that we serve a morning tea and maybe 15-20 minutes morning tea and after that we read the books and then we sing songs and that's the one hour of uh, yeah once a week. Do you find a lot so of uh, do you find a lot of parents and kids who just sort of want to hang around after the whole thing is over and just continue hanging out or do you have to like yeah, pack up and yeah, get out of sure. there? Yeah, some of them hang around or some of them help pack up as well. And yeah, it's really fun. Just, you know, get to know, get to know the families, the parents and yeah, share, you know, like we share the parenting journey and they ask questions or we, yeah, we help them with um, anything we can, we can help. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, um, with the, with with these with these playgroups, I remember when my kids were young, playgroups were a great idea because you know for the first few years of our kids, we were homeschooling and that kind of stuff. Do you have parents coming along that are sort of thinking about or planning to do homeschooling and continue with um, the playgroups uh, because you know, you know as the as as the kids sort of get older and, and go into homeschooling to give them some you know some really good socialization with other kids. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, we. I'm also homeschooling my kids, so yeah. And yeah, some parents, with we, we the families attending in our playgroup, yeah, we also share about what we do. Like, I am homeschooling, and they're also interested in learning about that. And now, like, all lockdown, like many parents are doing. Everyone, everyone suddenly too. became a homeschooler during lockdown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. True. And uh, speaking of lockdown, how are you guys getting on down there in Sydney at the moment? Uh, not quite sure what to call Sydney these days, but it's um, it's certainly competition for uh, for Melbourne at the moment. Um, how how is the have you been able to have playgroups at all, or is that just an impossibility? Um, no, no playgroups. All churches are closed, and no playgroups running. No, no. But but um, yeah, when the when the lockdown started, I got this idea to do um, playgroup on Zoom. So what what I did is um, we I sent out um, invite to the, to the mom. So we have a Facebook group, a private group, Bob's and Books Playgroup. We have 444 moms in there. So that's where we post our announcements and, and what we plan to do. And so I have also, um, uh, we have a team. So Louise is also involved in um, helping uh, in running as well, like both of us and also Darlene. And um, sometimes Benny come and help too. So this time, because it's locked down, um, I told the team that I'd like to do uh, baking with kids. So early on the week, because we do Plago Fridays at 10 a.m. So early in the week, I sent out the recipe, like something simple that moms can do with the kids. I sent out the recipe and this is what we're doing. So we do a virtual baking online, like 
um, baking with kids. And that has been running every week. And this Friday, we're doing zucchini cookies. So I already sent out that invite, that recipes. So they will prepare the ingredients. And on the day, we, we do the yeah, baking together. That's, so that's amazing. What we've been doing. So what, everybody and just also, zooms in while you do the cooking and uh, everybody gets involved, yes. that kind of thing? Yes, so we do the cooking and also um, we still do the songs. So um, I play songs on YouTube, like share screen on YouTube and kids can, yeah, sing along and, and then we do baking. Yeah. I think it's really important for kids to get involved in this kind of stuff. And I just want to encourage if there's uh, any of our listeners down in Sydney or the Sydney area and even in other areas to uh, to look up and to find some really uh, effective playgroups like this one because the one that uh, what you've got happening here, Leslie, is um, is obviously you're putting a lot of work into it and really making this thing work, which is fantastic. Um, so, yeah, get in contact with Leslie. Um, Leslie, if we were to get in contact with you, how, how would a person go about um, finding out about these playgroups? Yeah, so we have uh, Facebook groups. Um, yeah, for you just search Bob's and Books Play Group. That's in Ride. And if you're in Parramatta area, we have also a Facebook group called Bubbles Play Group. And if you are Filipino, uh, we also have a Facebook group called Philo Kids Play Group. Okay, so that's Bubs and Books uh, Facebook uh, Play Group um, on Facebook or the Bubbles one or the... What was the last one? Philo... Philo Kids. Philo Kids. Philo Kids Playgroup. So, so, yeah, look these guys up and, uh, and and definitely check them out. So you've got zucchini cookies coming up uh, this week. You know, I've always seen, seen zucchini as being a savoury vegetable. Are you going to turn this into something <laughs> sweet? Yeah, so this is like something healthy for the kids, yeah. That's amazing. Now, and how many... With these playgroups, how many how many uh, kids and parents and so forth do you have that are involved in them? Um, well, the the biggest group I have is the Bob's and Books playgroup. So we have four hundred forty four mums in that Facebook group, and um, coming to our playgroup because, like you know, with uh, restrictions, we started last year. Um, this Bob's and Books playgroup before uh, before the lockdown. We initially planned it to start term two by April, but then lockdown hit. So we just did um, live um, stories on, on Facebook, in our Facebook group. And then when the restrictions eased off, we officially started on term three, July 24th. So we just turned one year um, two weeks ago. Was it? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Just recently. And we run, we run it once a week and we have 10, 20 families. And actually we have, a lot more wanting to to join us uh, in person, but then we have to limit because of the, you know, like restrictions only like four square meter rule or only like certain yeah number allowed. So yeah, yeah, because of this restriction, we can't really like have everyone come. So yeah, well, we had four hundred and forty four yeah, people turn up. Then uh, that might be quite challenging as well because that would be just not just four hundred and forty four mums that are a part of the Facebook group, but all of their kids as well. So you could have fifteen hundred people turn up to a play group, and you might not have enough crafts to go around. Yeah, so we have people. Uh, we have to have them register every week. Who's yes. um, yeah, yeah, yeah for. And we prioritize also like people that lives around ride area or don't have any other groups that they are that they are connected with. So we have priorities. Now, what yeah. about the bubbles and the um, and the Filipino group? Um, are they as big as the um, as the ride one? 
Oh, no, the Filipino uh, group is only like eight to ten families. So, yeah, it's I, I feel like it's easier to handle. <laughs> yeah, easier to manage. Yeah, fantastic. Hey, just really quick, we've got a little bit of time left. Um, tell us, tell us some, tell us an experience that you've had um, meeting with parents, meeting with kids. Just one really great experience as a result of uh, of this work that you're doing. Yeah, so I just really find this because one of the mom that she she was in depression and um, um, through these uh, moms at the table, she got connected to play group and she has been, um, yeah, she attended and she just really felt like that love and belongingness and, and hope. So I just find that, you know, running play groups really help us support the moms in the community. And also one of the moms that have been, um, part of our playgroup has been also coming to our kids' Sabbath school because I organize also the kids' Sabbath school once a month special program and last last Mother's Day program we have um, a massage station for the moms, special breakfast for the moms in the church and we have 11 families that come uh, from the community that come to our church through that and yeah, they just really feel love and um, yeah, feel that belongingness and one of the moms also that uh, have been uh, attending church uh, through, you know, through special programs and play group has been, um, yeah, she asked me like, what is the e-giving link? And she just started giving, you know, giving to the church. And um, also with the Filipino play group, I have started, um, yeah, we're starting tomorrow for a Bible study, like to, to Filipinos who start Bible studies. And there's just so much opportunities to, um, yeah, to reach out to the moms and, and also leading them to know more about Jesus, the hope that we have in him. That is absolutely fantastic, Leslie. That's amazing to see. You know, so often we see these kinds of programs that are run by churches, but they don't actually have uh, a, a, a strategy in which to reach out to people with Jesus, and they're just you know doing good, warm, fuzzy things in the community. But you're actually reaching people for Jesus. So I just want to congratulate you on that, Leslie. We just want to th- say thank you for joining us here on the Breakfast Show this morning. Right now, we're out of time. We're going to have to move on with the show. This is Alison Krauss and the Cox family with Jules. You're listening to Faith FM. <laughs> Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.